we know that men's retreat camp, maybe one day a women's retreat, just speaking out in faith. Um, <laughs> we know that those are mountaintop experiences. Whenever you get away from the distractions of your life and go to a mountain, you meet with Jesus. All that saying is you don't have to be in Red River, but when you get away from the pull and the distractions of your life, you meet with God. It's a mountaintop experience. And I know coming home from camp, the second you get off the bus, the devil's waiting to attack. And so I know that spiritual warfare is happening right now. It happened while they were at men's retreat. Kurt's been fighting sickness. He's been sick the whole trip. That happens nearly every year at camp. Um, and so I know that the devil wants to stop what's happening and what happened this weekend at men's retreat. What's so cool about it, though, is God's been right here the whole time preparing us that when they come home, we can be ready to receive and to help align ourselves with what God did in their lives at men's retreat. Um, you have to partner with God for your husband Speaking to wives right now, but that goes for everybody. Parents, grandparents, teenagers, kids, you have to partner with God for your family. You have to come alongside God and say, I'm going to do what you tell us to do, and I'm going to align myself with you. In Ephesians 5, verses 22 through 24, now I'm talking to wives, but this is for everybody. I'm, I'm, I want to talk to you a little bit about when your husband comes home. A lot of times we can have a really hard time understanding, like Miss Vicki said, okay, what did God do? Because I've been on my face praying because you need God. And I've been praying for him to meet you, so what did you figure out you need to fix? I've done it myself. Um, and so we need to align ourselves with God and speak his words. Um, it says, for wives, this means submit to your husband as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of a church. He is the Savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to, to your husbands in everything. Now, as a wife, that's really hard to hear. Oh, submit. You want, calm down? You, okay, submit does not mean what the world tells us it means. It does not mean to put yourself lower or to knock yourself down. What it means, submit means to give up my selfish desires, to partner with my husband for God's plan. That's what submit means. I'm not worried about my own thing. I'm, I'm partnering with my husband, and we're going to work together to accomplish the plans God has. In the Passion Translation, Ephesians 5.22 says, For wives, this means being devoted. And it says the Greek word submit is not even found in verse 22. It literally says, wives with your husbands. So it says, for wives, this means being devoted with your husbands like you are tenderly devoted to the Lord. So submit, we've, we've, we've changed the meaning of it like we have so many words with the world's view of it. I'm just going to partner with my husband. I'm going to come alongside him, and we're going to do what God calls us to do. In Proverbs 31, 11, let me just say this. Proverbs 31 is a great chapter um, for like a wife's, not duties, but what we, should, what we should aspire to be as a wife. It gives great guidelines. It gives great ideas. You are not going to be everything that Proverbs 31 says. It's a process. Just like Pastor Kurt's been talking about sanctification, it's a process that we go through. 
And in Proverbs 31, it talks about how we're supposed to talk to and about our husbands. And it's saying that we're supposed to be respectful to him in the city. We're supposed to speak words of respect about him, whether he's there or not. And so I want to read this out of the New King James, Proverbs 31, 11. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. I want to read it out of the Amplified real quick. It says, the heart of her husband trusts in her with secure confidence, and he will have no lack of gain. She comforts, encourages, and does him only good and not evil all the days of her life. She comforts and encourages. We need to do that with everybody, not just wives to our husbands. We need to be doing that with our kids, with our friends, with people we work with. As Christians, we should bring comfort and encouragement um, I heard a pastor say that uh, if you bring truth without love, that the truth can't be received. But the world wants to bring love without truth so that the love is distorted. As Christians, we're called to bring truth and love together. And that's what's going to change the world. That's what's going to change your family is when you encourage and you uplift your husbands. When they get home from men's retreat, instead of telling them all the things that God should have changed, hey, I've been praying for you, and you don't have to say a word because I believe that God changed you, and I have faith that he did. Um, it says in Proverbs towards the end of that that, that um, a, a godly wife, her husband is respected, in the city that they're in because of the words that she speaks about him. And that's what we're called to do. Um, I know that David's wife in the Bible, when David brings in the Ark of the Covenant, and he's worshiping before the Ark of the Covenant, it hadn't been with the Israelite people for years and years. And so he's ushering the Ark, which is the presence of God, into his people, and he's worshiping unashamedly and going crazy, and his wife stands on the balcony and mocks him and ridicules him, and oh my gosh, what are you doing? Why, As wives, we cannot be like that. When our husbands step out and do something that God's called them to do, we have to encourage them. We have to uplift them. We have to say, hey, I'm so proud of you for doing that. I see that you stepped out in an area that you're uncomfortable in. And I'm saying, like, I see God in you. And I'm respecting that and I'm encouraging you in that because that's what we need. Um, your words have power. Your words have incredible power over your husbands, over your wives, over your kids, over your own life. Um, in James 3, verse 1. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. I read that and I thought, oh dear Lord, I don't want to preach this morning. Um, all that saying is, is that when you stand up on a stage, when Pastor Rusty or Pastor Kurt or anybody gets up here to preach, there's a little bit more, um, they're held accountable for more. And so don't think that anybody gets up here lightly or thinks, that, oh, I'm just going to get up and preach. There's a lot of weight behind it, and there's a lot of um, just weight with it. Um, okay, so then uh, verse 2 says, Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go whatever way we 
we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all types of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? So the part that says that blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth, I've heard that a ton of times, and I did not understand what it was saying. I thought it was saying, yeah, blessings and cursings come out of the same mouth. But the Bible says this is not right. You can't worship God and say, God, I love you. God, you're amazing. God, you're glorify- I glorify you. And then turn around in the next step and tear down your husband or your kids or yourself with your words. You, you are supposed to bring life with your words. So we have to be really careful. It says in there that the tongue can bring fire. That if we don't control our tongue and we do that through Christ, God, don't let me say what I want to say. Shut my mouth. Let me say only the words you want to say. And let me do only the things you want me to do. We have to take control of our tongue. We have to give that to God. Your husband, your kids are all made in the image of God. God put them on the earth and put them as your husband and father of your kids for a very specific reason. And we have to allow them to be that person. In Ephesians 4.29, it says, Do not use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. That's what we're called to do as Christians. As Christians, we're called to uplift, to encourage. I heard it said at a, on a podcast that we're supposed to speak the kingdom out of people. That instead of seeing what's happening on the flesh and on the outside, I'm supposed to speak the kingdom and pull the kingdom out of you. Um, truth without love, I said this earlier, truth without love has no power and love without truth is distorted. So we have to make sure that when we're speaking, we're speaking out of love and not out of judgment or condemnation. Um, I do have a prayer that I, I found this when I was studying for this and it's like, oh man, I can often say things without thinking and just in a gut reaction and then you know how bad you feel. And so I've started praying this. It's from Psalms 141, verse 3. And it says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips to keep me from speaking thoughtlessly. I know that there have been a lot of times in my marriage that I have said things thoughtlessly or out of emotion. And I've said it because I know it'll push buttons or it'll cut and it'll hurt. And that is not what we're called to do. Um, through our friendships, through with our kids. I, I don't have a teenager yet. I'm a little bit terrified of those days. Um, 
I love Ground Zero, but they're not my kids. I can stand up here and I can preach. I can love on them across the street, and then I get to send them home. And a lot of times, there are some, but a lot of times we don't deal with the attitude that you as parents deal with at home. And so I know, I know that there are probably moments with teenagers that you say things and you think, oh, man, I should not have said that. I wish I could go back. And so I just, I want to encourage you to, to do that verse as a prayer, to, to not, God, don't let me speak thoughtlessly. Don't let me throw words around carelessly because I know that there's power behind them. Um, as women, we set the atmosphere in our homes. Um, you know, the big thing right now is Magnolia Market. And it's like, they have beautiful things. Don't get me wrong, they do. Um, you can decorate. Maybe you're a baker or you cook really well. And we set the atmosphere in our homes. You can decorate it. You can have it smelling amazingly well. But if you forget the spiritual atmosphere, your home will never feel complete. And so I want to encourage you today. Proverbs 31 talks about it. It talks about the wife that finds the perfect fat or the great fabrics and has has a budget and stays within her budget and she makes her home feel welcoming and inviting. But you also have to set the spiritual atmosphere in your home. Um, Take time to seek the presence of God. Take time to say, God, I want you to invade this home. I want your presence to rest on my home. When people walk in, they feel safe. When my husband comes home from men's retreat, God, I pray that he knows that this is a safe place, that he's protected here, that he is free here, and that whatever you did at men's retreat can continue here at home. You can have a mountaintop experience in your living room any day of the week. All you have to do is say, God, I want to meet with you. Turn your phone off, turn the TV off, and, and just say, God, I need you, and I need your presence, and I need you to come and fill my home. In 2 Corinthians 3.17, it says, for the, Spirit, for the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So when you're in your home and you invite the Spirit of the Lord in, it brings freedom, it brings healing, it brings peace. Your home will become a haven for freedom and peace. And your, your kids, they'll bring their friends over and it'll be like, oh man, I love this. My sister's home has always felt like that. And I always thought, oh man, she decorates really good. But there's peace in her home. There's this freedom in her home. And I believe it's because she sets that atmosphere. She takes the time to set the atmosphere of her home. One of the things that um, I have started doing is when the kids are asleep, I walk the hallway in our house and I pray. And I just pray, God, I break the spirit of fear off of my home. I break any lies that the enemy has done. A lot of times with teenagers, that may be the only time you get to pray for them is when they're asleep with the door shut and you're standing outside in the hallway crying out to God, God, do something with this teenager because I, I can't do it, only you can. Pray for your husbands when he's at work, when he's asleep. God, I just, I just thank you for my husband. I ask that you continue the work that was started at men's retreat. I ask that you change my heart, change my heart towards my husband, change the word that I speak towards my husband. God, let me be a light to him and a help to him. Help me align myself with him and with you. Um, I'm closing, and I just want to pray Psalms 141, and then I want to pray over the men coming home from men's retreat. And um, so I'm going to pray that real quick. God, I just ask that you would set a guard over our hearts, Father God. 
and Lord set a guard over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of our lips to keep us from speaking thoughtlessly. God, I thank you that as these men are coming home from men's retreat, I thank you for the work that you did. Lord, we know that you met with them and we, we thank you for that. And I ask, Father, that as they come home, that we would guard our words, that we would guard our hearts, Father God, that we know that you can continue that work here just like you started it there. And I just ask, Father, as they come home, that you would help us to align ourselves with our husbands and align ourselves with you, God, that you would continue the good work, that we would be able to walk out the plans that you have for us. God, I just pray for safety. I pray that they get home in a speedy manner, but safely. In Jesus' name, amen.